Hello, stranger. My name is Rose Gothel. I am the writer, director, and kind of producer of this podcast, and I want to welcome all of you to The Greenlands Presents. This podcast is going to be a series of dramatic readings of fantasy scripts, screenplays, a la old radio drama style, you know, like they used to do in the 1950s on the BBC. You turn them on and be like, oh, here's a story. <laughs> we hope to do this weekly, unless something terrible happens, like, you know, Mordor invades... I mean, this is 2020, we've had a pandemic so far and very weird things are happening. The plays that we will be playing on this podcast are going to be high fantasy swords and sorcery screenplays and scripts from me and other authors. We're looking for new authors and scripts all the time, so contact us on the-greenlands.com, by hyphen I mean the little bar, not the word hyphen, or via our social media at The Greenlands, or variations of, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. The Greenlands represents a high fantasy world in general, the traditional, you know, Middle-earth, saga, D&D, medieval, dragon-filled fantasy world. For me, and for this script, it is a real place, but the Greenlands also represents all fantasy places. This week's story is The Sisters of the Middle Sun. I am a filmmaker, and the script is the first in a series of four feature films that I am hoping to be filming soon, once this disaster is over. The stories follow a group of sun-worshipping priestesses who have to handle demons and monsters that for once are not an external metaphorical representation of internal struggles. <laughs> yes, I had to get a thesaurus for that. I would like to thank our amazing actors and actresses who brought these characters to life. In no particular order, Sam Parry, Bridget Hemingway, Helen Vary, Linda Dootson, Kate Newell, David McCran, Frances Broody Albridge, and Faye Massey. And of course, not to forget, our narrator, Anne-Marie Goldthorpe. Yes, she is related to me, no, don't ask. If you want more information about the Greenlands, or want to submit a script, or want to be a voice actor, or even just drown us in gold, um, tweet at us, Instagram at us, you know, slide into our DMs. Or uh, go to our website, thehyphengreenlands.com. So let's grab our axes, bows, pointy ears, teenage angst, unresolved daddy issues, and see you in the Greenlands. Convent outside the sanctuary gate, morning. The small congregation are filing out of the sanctuary. Letiche is collecting with the dish. There is an unusual donating of coins, and Letiche is quite surprised and happy. Just for your prayer for the trouble, demons. Ask Mother to have a road with the good son for protection against demons then, eh? They were looking at me when I was getting undressed. Everybody makes a pause at this as the woman is not the type for this to happen to. And only the truly perverted would do that, would. Lady J looks concernedly after them and then at the contents of the dish. The convent in the garden. It is morning. An old man comes out of Aggie's consultation hut in the garden. He is examining a bottle of liquid and holding it reverently. Aggie then comes out of the door to collect the next patient. She turns and sees an entire knot of five or six old male peasants. Each sees her and holds out money, or thrusts money bags at her. She grins evilly. Convent study day. Euphemia is repeatedly dipping her quill into her ink and attempting to write her thesis, but no ink emerges onto the page. She squints at the nib. It is, of course, it then spints ink at her face. Letiche is dusting and watching her. Really? Uh, maybe it is one of those demons. Please, Letiche, not you too. She gets up and cuts herself another quill. Peasant house, kitchen, evening. 
The middle-aged husband finishes his stew and pushes the bowl away from himself with a sigh of satisfaction. Oh, that were eat nice. What were it I saw you put in it, then? His wife, standing by the sink, hastily and surreptitiously pushes one of Aggie's brown potion bottles away amongst the other kitchen condiments. Hey, with just some of the priestess's herbs, love. You know, for flavour-like. Their seven-year-old son is playing with the drum sitting on the floor. He is striking a rhythmic beat. The man stands up, catches hold of his wife and whirls her round in a dance in time to the rhythm. The wife looks amazed. He holds his cheek against hers and smiles. We haven't had a dance, love, in quite a while. He rumpers energetically, pauses, inspects her hair and then continues. I ever told you, you are a very enticing woman. Oh, Harry, not in front of the child. It might be fun to make some more of them, you know. He goes to kiss his wife. His wife shrieks and giggles kittenishly as he drags her off to the stairs. Agatha has been standing outside in the dark, looking in the window. She grins and rubs her hands in satisfaction. Convent, garden, morning. There is a melee of about 12 men, both young and old, nearest to the outside of Aggie's garden consultation hut. They appear to be in disagreements and fighting for the line. Patience comes from one behind them in concern and coughs. <coughs> All of the men quieten and look up in rapture at her beauty. Patience approaches them. Is everything okay? All the men suddenly go, oh, well, uh, it's just <clears throat> nothing really. Um, uh, we, we've, co- we've come to see Sister Agatha. Patience leans over towards an elderly peasant and asks him. Master Hamstrung, what is it that you want from Senior Agatha, please? Master Hamstrung shuffles his feet and looks a little embarrassed. Uh, oh, oh uh, I've just come to ask if the sisters would have a go at our demons, like, and, um, <clears throat> and uh, also uh, uh, me and the boys wanted to buy a few bottles of that uh, um, <clears throat> potion for uh, en- energy and strength. Oh, yes. I suppose you need a lot of energy for doing all that hard work in the fields, masters. Oh, yes, yes. Far- yeah. Oh, farming. Oh, yeah. No, oh, it's very, yes. Yes, yeah, very hard work. Patience smiles, beamingly at them all. I'll just get you some of Senior Agatha's latest batch. She returns into the hut, and the peasants all crane wistfully after her as she goes. Village, a field, morning. Agatha and a peasant's wife are walking towards a railed field which contains some sheep. Thank you for coming, sister. It's just Harry. The husband? No, our ram. We called him Harry too, to avoid confusion. Agatha stares at her. They arrive at the fence and lean over looking at the sheep. We don't really see the sheep, but we see a pink haze and there's intermittent farting noises and bubbling noises. Well, the drink you gave me, husband, works so well and our Harry the Ram has been underperforming recently, so I gave some to him, hoping it would have the same effect. Agatha cackles. She pulls out a bottle from her sleeves. This stuff is to be given to Harry husbands, not to be given to Harry sheep woman. Don't worry, though. The effects won't last long. They should stop by themselves. The farting suddenly becomes continual. The bubbles increase in crescendos, but eventually it subsides into a mere hiss, which eventually stops and the pink cloud fades. There now. I told him it wasn't demons. Agatha cackles to herself and heads back to the sanctuary. Convent in the yard, morning. 
Agatha walks past Patience, who has a basket of washing to hang up. She has just hung up a sheet with several pegs. Then suddenly each peg is invisibly pulled sequentially out and the sheet falls to the floor. Patience is angry and puts her hands on her hips. She picks up the sheet again and rehangs it. The sheet starts to pull away again. Look here, you. I'm trying to try you out. If you do not behave, I will take you back to the laundry and beat you again. The washing looks contrite and settles down. Thank you. The convent hallway in the afternoon. Two female peasants sit on chairs waiting their turn outside of Blodwin's fortune-telling room. The door opens and Blodwin, in full gypsy garb, shakes hands with an exiting male peasant who is smiling. So next week is definitely all right for the harvest then, sister. Oh, aye. No rain, no rain. Fine as daisies. Blodwin waves at the other peasants, fanning herself with her headscarf. I think that's enough for today. My solar eye is aching. Oh, and I've got to sit down, Master Welchit. Good luck with the harvest. The peasant bows and walks away. As she walks away, we see clouds growing and it getting darker. Peasant house in the living room, afternoon. It is raining hard, spectacularly. All the men in their straw hats with their scythes are standing clustered around the open doorway, looking out. But the priestess said the sun was going to shine on our crops today. She said it was going to be drier than a statue's nip. Er, dry as that is. The sisters haven't been right about anything for a good long while now. Yeah, and that fortune-telling cost me a gold disc. They grumble at the rain. Village street, outside the shop. There are three women in a queue coming out of the shop door, and Letice is standing behind them. The two front women are talking rather loudly, so Letice can hear. When the first woman sees Letice listening, she turns away, but we can still hear her. Anyway, our Bert said that the lads are the really mad there's no beer. I know. My Harry said that they ain't going to go to that stupid prophesying woman anymore. Well, it's all superstition, isn't it? It's not what we modern people do now, is it? Quite, quite. Well, I'm going to stick to my tea leaves. <sighs> That's sensible. They both shuffle in their turn into the shop. Letice turns away from the shop and hurries away, mortified. Convent, the kitchen. It is afternoon. Aggie is stirring the stew and adding seasoning. Sister Blodwin comes in in gypsy costume, takes off her headdress, sighs deeply and sits down. Whoa, Aggie. I see a cloud of doom and gloom hanging over thee, my child. <sighs> I hear that the rain had not heard of your prophecy. Yep, that and 60 peasants' beers for the year are wrecked. Ah, yes. See, my child, that is why a true oracle never gives precise answers. Now you tell me. Lodwin slumps, exhausted, leaning on her elbows on the table miserably. The convent. Church day. The priestesses are in the outdoor sanctuary. There are a lot of angry peasants there too. The mother abbess is standing on her preaching log watching them. Her eyes slide to a desperate looking Blodwin standing nearby with the other priestesses. I have been informed that one of our sisters has been giving out predictions of the future to the local people. There is general grumbling. And I believe that her most recent prediction about the weather was in fact um, a little incorrect. 
Mother Euphemia looks at Plodwin, who looks like she wants to disappear into the floor. Mother sighs. As you all might have noticed, the village is currently plagued with, um, demons. Mother Euphemia sighs, closes her eyes and opens them again. I am of the personal opinion that these demons are, are, are in fact responsible for the incorrect predictions. They have interfered with our sister's solar eye. Mother Euphemia looks like she has eaten something very bitter, but the villagers look among each other and seem impressed. As you all might know, I do not accept the existence of these creatures lightly, but more and more evidence seems to be mounting, leading me to this conclusion. Sister Blodwin will go through a course of prayer and purification and will no longer be doing predictions until we are sure her solar eye is no longer affected. I thank you for all your kind understanding and patience with this issue as we work together to resolve it. Mother Euphemia smiles, bows to the congregation and turns to the altar to start the ceremony. Blodwin sighs in relief and the peasants murmur among themselves. The convent, a hallway, later on. Blodwin and the other sisters hurry up to Mother Euphemia. She paces down the corridor after the ceremony. Thank you. Thank you for that, Mother. I am so sorry I made you go against your beliefs to save me. Mother takes Blodwin's hands in her. It's quite all right, sister. I know that you are doing your best to be helpful. And I believe that you have suffered enough from your mistake and I cannot let you suffer alone. We were all misguided. We must pull together and give each other better advice now and listen to it too. She kisses Blodwin's forehead and turns to walk off. Mother, does that mean that you now accept the existence of demons? Oh, not the small ones with horns, my child. The ones we keep inside of ourselves that make us do foolish things. Mother smiles at them as they all trail after her. The Priory. The Priory's study. It is evening. Mavis hurries down the corridors, pulling her hood off and coming to the Priory's study. She stops when she gets to the door, straightens her robe and knocks. She steps into the Priory's study. Oh, Mavis, how goes the demons? Uh, um, they were quite effective at wreaking havoc. Oh, lovely to hear. How fared the sisters of the middle sun? Well, uh, you see, my lady, they, they seem to be profiting quite well out of it. I'm sorry. Did I hear you say profit? Y yes, my lady, I I'm afraid so. The, the locals turn to the sisters and their faith to help them against the demons. The prioress sighs, slumps, and then suddenly violently throws her tankard across the room. Mavis flinches. The prioress sits back in her chair, staring at Mavis scarily. You had better find me more dangerous demons, my bright star of a pupil. Or I'm afraid you'll have to return the flagellation. Mavis shivers and clutches her arm. She bobs a curtsy and then runs out of the door. The Priory, Mavis's cell, evening. Mavis is crouched over her small desk in her small cell, trying desperately to read a big book with her dictionary and her notes. She is half crying and sniffling. We see scars around her arms as her sleeves push up. She's muttering to herself. Piskies. No, that's pathetic. I can't read this. Oh, the moon, please help me. She's flicking through the pages, panicked. Suddenly the book falls open at a page and Mavis stops breathing. 
Slowly, she starts to breathe again. She reads it out loud with the help of the dictionary. To summon an incubus. This type of nightmare? Spirit is a terrifying spirit known to bring the downfall of many an orifice. Orifice? Oh, no, woman. Downfall of many a woman. She reads on, taking notes. We hear the words, stealing spirits while asleep, and women giving birth to demons. She makes a list of ingredients and slams the book shut. Scooping all the notes in her arms, she runs out of the room. Priory. Prioress's study. Later. The prioress is seated at her desk, her fingers curled across her face, listening as Mavie stutters out her explanation of the incubi. Sanctimony and Bluster are both sitting around the office watching her. Yes, they steal women's souls while they sleep and replace them with a demon, which she then, she then, um, gives birth to, my lady. That definitely sounds inconvenient. The, the loss of their spirits would be a sufficiently regretful incident, but the chaste sisters giving birth to demon babies would finish their order forever. Begging your pardon, milady, but as you might know, I do my best not to physically hurt other women in my business affairs. This sounds a bit, for the want of a better word, a salty... The two senior sisters stare at her. Ah, I see your concern where your concern lies. No, no, it would not be abuse per se. It is entirely a matter of spirit. No one is even remotely physically hurt. Bluster looks unconvinced but sits back. Right, all is settled. Let us summon this creature. Mavis... You had better have brought the ingredients. Mavis pulls out a bag from behind her and she and Bluster set up the complicated circle with chalk symbols and wine and bones, candles and unholy looking items. It's all very gothic and dramatic. Sanctimony and the prioress join them in the circle, chanting from the shared book and summoning this creature. Bluster has to put her hand in a small circle on the floor off the main circle and looks a little confused. Finally, there is smoke, drama and explosions. A hand grabs Bluster's hand. Her hand starts to shrivel. She screams and tries to pull it back, but as she does so, she pulls a creature through the smoke into the circle. It lets go of Bluster's hand and she collapses, whimpering. Mavis hurries to her. The creature is standing in the circle. It is a very attractive male wearing a full-body fetish outfit complete with whip and leather dog harness. The sisters gawp at him. Oh, you summoned me, little woman. The prioress swallows and steps forward over Bluster. Bow! When you speak to me, you unholy fiend from the Never Regions. The incubus smirks at her and mockingly bows. <laughs> Whatever my fair lady desires, I am here to please. I have summoned you to go and do whatever it is you perverted beings to the abbess of the Middle Sun in the sanctuary near here. As payment for your job, 
You get to keep her spirit. Oh, fun. It's a long time since I met an abbess. The last one was so much fun. The incubus stretches and vanishes, leaving the study in a mess, a whimpering bluster and a panicked Mavis. The prioress grins evilly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sisters in the Middle Sun from the Greenlands Presents. I hope you enjoyed it. If you drop us a like, a subscribe, or review on iTunes, or, you know, whatever you're listening to us on, I don't know what you use, or recommend us to a friend who needs a laugh, please do. We're just starting out and every little thing helps. If you want to get involved in the creative side of things as a scriptwriter, actor, etc., please contact us. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to donate huge amounts of gold, just, you know, just slide into my DMs and I'll be open to hear from you. <laughs> I'd like to thank our editor, John Curtiland, and our musician, David Berlin, for making the ambiance and, you know, editing this whole disaster. We will have another episode out next week, so see you then. Thank you. Look after yourself. I love you. Yes, you. Only you. Ignore the other ones, baby. They didn't mean anything to me. You're the only one. Oh, wait, sorry, I was reading my text messages. <laughs> Bye.